0: For december sixth, twenty twenty one, it's the Overthinking A Podcast, episode seven hundred and one. Aw oh, man, they all had wives and families. <laughs> It's overthinking it where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably doesn't deserve the overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet. We're never happier than when we are hanging out together and talking over the things we love. We, we enjoy things more, uh, when we get to, to, you know, chew it all over with our friends. However many years or decades later, uh, even two decades, two plus decades later, uh, it might be, uh, it might be still grist for, uh still grist for the overthinking it mill. I'm Matt rather. I am here with my smart funny friend Pete Fenzel. Hey Pete. Hey, hey Matt. And my smart funny friend Mark Lee. Hey Mark. Hello Matthew. Now, um guys, uh over 2 decades ago, you know, you know where we were in high school, right? And I don't know about you, but my favorite math class in high school was algebra 2. <laughs> do you have any idea okay. pete why that might be
1: yeah i mean is it is it that you liked uh determining the limits of infinite series mm. no that is that that's too early that's that was I'm, that's not right. i
0: think yes yeah, oh, like, no, oh man the limits right like uh i thought was calcare or, or late late trigonometry i don't right. know the um no no but uh take another stab at it pete Oh man, was it when you were? Was it because you were? I like solving ugh. systems of equations with multiple unknowns. No, yeah, yeah, no, like no, linear
1: combinations and substitutions, right? <laughs> and that,
0: no, 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 Peter, it wasn't it? Wasn't that? I I want you to think of orderly numbers lined up in rows and columns. Do you know what we call that?
1: I mean, Matt, I've had a question that I've been asking ever since Algebra 2 that my teacher never answered.
0: Oh, what, what, <laughs> what is it, Pete? I want to know.
1: I mean, I, I really blanked on this homework assignment because I never got the answer to this question. I think the question is, what is the matrix?
0: What? what? Whoa.
1: <laughs> whoa. <laughs> you ask it again in this voice, Pete. What is the matrix? What is, what is the matrix? Uh, <laughs> um, what is the Whoa. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, that was a simulacrum. It's all imitations of imitations, people. We're going full Beauty Art. Uh
0: well, like um uh uh you know, soon after we were we were in high school. I think we actually all were in college by the time Oh no, Mark, you were you were about to show up. Uh when
2: Yeah, I was a senior in high school, ripe age for this w- stuff. When this right. film
0: when this film came out, it's uh we the 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 film of course that we're talking about was the nineteen ninety-nine uh, Keanu Reeves action spectacular, the matrix. Um, and, uh, what I've said is partially true and also untrue in, in certain ways <laughs> that it is a Keanu Reeves action spectacular. Uh, and w- we would like to re-examine this, um, because there is apparently a new Matrix movie coming out. The, uh, you know, um, uh, the Matrix Hugo uh, episode seven, Hugo Weaving Awakens or something like that is, uh, is coming out in, uh, around Christmas time. And we thought that we would do the reserve reading. For this, this course called the popular culture. We weren't just going to read the assigned texts. Uh, we, we don't even do that, uh, for which see eternals, you know, quote, quote vide supra. Uh, but we, uh, we want to do some of the, some of the reserve reading and go back on, uh, go back on HBO Max, uh, which Christopher Nolan memorably called the worst streaming service and, uh, look, look at, at some of the films. And I, you know, I, I hate to jump to the end, but I think as with all of our like h b o max library episodes um the, there are some surprises like watch watching the film is it is sort of what you expect but it is also a lot more i don't even know how to put it it's it's a lot more specific and a lot more strange than you uh than you even imagined. Um so I you know I sort of don't know where to jump in. Let me s- start with this question. Let me throw this out to the group. I feel I'm not sure whether Keanu Reeves is good in this movie. Uh you know, I remember a lot of the time especially after my kind of 90s film snob teenage years background I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of snobby feelings towards like action movies like this. And, you know, uh, Keanu, uh, off of like what the devil's advocate and speed. And, you know, there'd been, uh, uh, yeah, there'd been a lot of, you know, huh, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven, huh? Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, a quote from the greatest, uh, uh, the greatest unsurpassed and unsurpassable. Um, the, uh, the, my, my film snob friends were kind of crapping on Keanu Reeves. Now, my Keanu Reeves favorability has increased markedly, exponentially in the ensuing years. And I, I found myself watching this movie and enjoying him in it uh but i i wonder if my my favorability my my reeves my high uh rq you know is is tainting my my critical judgment so like i don't know let, let me put it to you p i don't know peter mark if you want to jump in first but like the do you feel like do you feel like keanu reeves is good in this movie
1: mark you oh i can go okay um yes i do i think keanu reeves is very good in the role i think that if keanu reeves had not been in the role we might not be talking about this movie Hmm. and i would venture this in a couple of ways the the moment when i was doing my rewatch when i thought oh wow keanu reeves is really good in this movie is when he's being interrogated after he's Decided not to go out on the scaffolding of meta meta epistemological ideas that construct his life. Right. And, and has decided instead to submit to the handcuffs of uh, of what, like a, a clerical reading of all things. And, uh, and and he's being interrogated and his and they make his mouth stop working. And he goes through this complex series of emotional and physical reactions to his mouth being sealed shut but to a like the reality that that he lives in a situation wherein his mouth can be involuntarily shut as if by magic right like b that he can't talk c that he that his mouth is like literally has kind of the flesh has been folding against itself like uh you know like the, like he's the smooth or something right as a big old callback right um and and he scrambles as if repelled from the table he's sitting at right and all the while facing his face very properly right in the appropriate angle so that the visual effect is easy to do and kind of goes through a whole bunch of stuff while he's kind of scrambling back away from this but does it instantly and with great intensity so um, I would say that the main thing that this movie calls upon Keon Reeves to do is to have pretty complicated reactions to things that he would have no real frame of reference for. Or, I mean, we all know that, you know, the standard capacity for Stanislavski is, is unlimited. And so you can always come up with something. But just this notion that uh, – Any sort of acting technique you would need to use to be able to identify with these situations is not necessarily going to get you to where you need to go. Uh, So so it's a real leap for Keanu to have the responses he has and also to have them – From such a resting place to such an active place. And I know you could do a bunch of that with editing, but being able to resume this sort of sense of repose that's necessary for his character, while at the same time having these super intense hyperkinetic action sequences and physical reactions and visceral reactions to things, even also while the script doesn't really help him out with stuff to say that, like, is relevant or makes sense, right? Uh, I mean, Neo isn't really the voice of this movie. He doesn't the thing. Yeah,
2: if you sit down
1: and write down all the things that Neo says, most of them are kind of incoherent with what's well, going on a lot the of them are
2: questions as well like yes, to help, yes, the, uh, yes. Uh, help the exposition yeah
1: exactly exactly so it's sort of like imagine that luke skywalker were being periodically tortured like <laughs> through the entirety of star wars <laughs> but he still had to stay a sort of relatable audience surrogate like literally yeah. everything about him was made as strange as possible but he still had to be this sort of every. so i think and he's, and he's also being drained of empathy
2: for everyone around him. <laughs> yes <laughs> and we'll we, we need to go into that we'll, we'll get into huge. that later yeah, yeah, yeah. That's let, the be, other let, side let I, I yeah. yeah. Let me add no, um, before we go so let, let me go uh add another thing about um why Keanu's good in this, is that imagine, if you will, an alternate uh world, a different reality, where Will Smith, who was offered the part of Neo, took that and was in this movie. Right? There's like almost too much charisma, too much um I- I- emotional um weight going into that. Right. This is nineteen ninety-nine, this is not that many years after Welcome to Earth. Um Independence Day, right? Ain't no words of fat lady sings, right? Just like, um, I I think it goes back to that earlier thing I said about the the lack of empathy, right? The the this the sort of the the blankness and the the serenity of Keanu's performance is key to this like uh, now in retrospect vaguely misanthropic performance and message of the Matrix.
1: Yeah, what I would also add is Neo has no relationships in this movie that are meaningful at all to him. He has no family, he has no friends like and I don't mean this in the sense of like he's a loner. They just don't exist, right. This is a character who is extremely underwritten with regards to i mean of course, you could say, well, the reason he doesn't is because they're they don't they aren't born from families but but are they born from families in the matrix right and we we could waste our whole podcast talking about all the little hypotheticals of how the matrix might or might not work, but I think for this sake of performing a character. It kind of matters whether that character, you know, had parents at any point, right? Um, you know, it is I feel like if this were Will Smith, you would spend a lot more time watching him wrestle with the pain of the dislocation of his situation, right? Because like having he to move have, in
2: with his auntie and uncle in Bel Air. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly, exactly. So you mean, you mean, you know, oh, no, like my my sister, that means that I'm going to have to kill her if she turns into Agent Smith, right? Like, oh, man, that's really hard to deal with. But in order to skate over all of these patches, you need somebody with a light foot, right? Like mm. Keanu, I think, is able to get, connect you to this character's emotional life in, that it, in a way that makes it seem almost not strange that – He has no he has no background or or relationships, right? I mean, I guess he's a he he has a profession and and a sort of shadow profession that is is both it is less relevant to the movie than it ought to be based on what it is, right? Because he's like a professional kind of a hacker and hustler and smuggler, and he never uses any of those skills at any point in the movie, which is about hacking and hustling and smuggling, right? So it's kind of strange. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's like, he has to put a performance out there that's backed up by something. And I just don't know what you hook on to. If it's, you yeah, know, that's it's really,
0: it's really interesting. And the the thing that you point out that it's, it's the combination, it's the the ability to deliver that and still deliver all of the kind of the hyperkinetic stuff that the action, uh, that the action sequences demand. It's funny that like, as the, you know, as the action progresses and as he becomes like the chosen one, you know, he also it it's it's like it goes to a place of deeper and deeper stasis. You know what I mean? Like he's the more more stillness when you uh when you get really good at at fighting the agents Smith Um that like he even does, I think he puts one hand behind his back at one point in the you know which which struck me <laughs> you know I don't know a little uh a nice nice little touch that he's like his once once you become the one the one you're you're it's not even that your heart doesn't even have to be in it your attention doesn't even have to be in it uh in it fully um and and so to be able to do that and and maintain also the kind of the the meditative calm or the what what did you call it a state of kind of blankness, yeah. Um, that's yeah. You and, know, and yeah another
2: helpful contrast in this regard uh, aside from Will Smith um, again just hilarious imagining Will Smith in this movie um, is that of who, someone who actually is in the movie right Hugo Weaving who as Agent Smith and when he as he's going full tilt against Neo adopts this um, wonderful snarl that is the only word that you can describe it right. Um, the look on his face, um, and as he's, like, kind of wailing away against Neo while Neo is, is, uh, kind of looking away, kind of disinterested with fighting with just one hand, um, Smith is just, like, baring his teeth and, like, gnashing like a tiger. He's great in this, too.
0: Yeah. Um... It, it you talked about the, the lack of empathy that was a, that was an aspect of it that I wasn't oh well it, except it, except to say sorry Pete something you said d- triggered something for me like I did think a little bit like how do the machines know what the steak tastes like maybe they don't you know maybe they don't they don't know what the I thought like oh that's that's literally sophomoric that's the that's the old that's the <laughs> I mean, old you know, we were
1: sophomores at the time right,
0: exactly
1: that. would um, you choose to live in the matrix if it Were real, and it's like after a year and a half of COVID, nope, (laughs) no, double (laughs) no.
0: But the uh, you know that like what what if it's green? But you and I see where our the actual you know physical uh, the sensorium registers something different. But we've all been trained to call it green. You know that that uh, that level of discourse was present. You know in uh, in the film, but Mark. You talked about sort of the lack of, you talked about the lack of empathy and I, I did, I, I definitely, I definitely registered a kind of shock watching the kind of the final scenes of the movie, you know, with the, the, Bullets raining down and in in the hallway. I I like though that at the end, like they they show the hallway in like regular perspective, you know, and not like super wide angle where everything looks so far apart. And it's like ah okay, over the last ten minutes with a, a constant hail of gunfire and you know the the brass raining down and tinkling on the tinkling on the the marble floor you see they've they've uh, actually in physical space managed to traverse like 20 feet (laughs) horizontally between the uh, metal detector and the elevator um that that's uh that that's all that they've gained for all of this but i did i don't know that the it it was like it was an aesthetic that uh I, I think it's an aesthetic, you know. I'm I'm not sure it's like a, a moral position, but it it was something that that made me a little uncomfortable in in 2021. I did did either of you have that response to uh, to watching it?
2: Yes, a uh, kind of both in watching and also in response to to Pete's reaction to it. But I'll just kind of like reel out a few things here, and Pete, I'll toss it to you. Um, a key aspect of a key scene to understanding this movie is one of the earlier parts where Neo, I'm sorry, where Morpheus is giving Neo the guided tour to the Matrix and the world and the mission and the stakes and all that kind of stuff, right? Which is that, you know, they 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 jump into the matrix, they are surrounded by uh, civilians, for lack of a better word. And Morpheus goes in this whole thing where basically like he says, like, these aren't people. These aren't real people. Um in fact they're they're, they're just they're they're just you know constructs in the program. They're not ready to be given the truth um, and also because they can be inhabited by an agent at any time, they are the enemy. Any of them should be considered the enemy. Um, and so you have this situation where you know when they plug into the matrix and you know they're, they're with all these people like on, on, ostensibly they're here they're in, in the same speech Morpheus talks about how their you know their mission is to liberate humanity, Um, But it's not about, like, we need to save this person, this person, this person. No, it's not about that. It's like, you know, we have this thing to do, and we got to, like, fight the computers and stuff like that. And all these projections of people you see here, they're enemies. And then you're left with a very small group of people, like the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar, that you care care about. And that uh, leads to... Directly to that what you're just talking about the um, the the that you know the, the one of the climactic gunfights in there where they're just like you know mowing down um, and ruthlessly slaughtering all the security guards in the building right you know that guy had that guy had a wife and kids I mean did he kind of maybe you're not supposed to care um, but what that does is that opens up uh, a a highly sociopathic worldview which uh, Pete. Uh, it seems like on your rewatch of this, you had a highly negative reaction to. Was that, is that oh, a fair way to describe yeah, it? Yeah,
1: you're talking about what I was saying on the back channel, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I found this really hard to watch. I had – and I'll – here's how I'll break it down. My On my rewatch, there are a bunch of things that surprised me about this on on the rewatch, but there were two things that didn't surprise me because there are things that have materialized in the years since I saw this movie. So, of course, I wouldn't have gotten them the first time, right? So, I think that the Matrix has kind of a Hunger Games problem, but along different axes. And, and hear me out on this. We've articulated before that we think that part of the problem with the Hunger Games as a story that needs to be, you know, you can gauge how well or how poorly it's succeeding at every given time based on how well it's threading this needle. And this is true of a lot of dystopic YA fiction that was popular for a time, is that you are at once trying to tell the story of an individual, like a child who is in rebellion against their parents when they hit adolescence. And you're also trying to tell the story of a polity, right, that is in a state of just abject, just abuse, misuse, right, oppression, you know, beyond oppression, you name it. That enters into a uh, revolutionary relationship with its government. So, right? Pete,
0: you're saying you're saying it's it's literally sophomoric, but sophomoric in high school, where yes. it's where <laughs> it's like, man, aren't your parents kind of like a totalitarian regime? Yeah, and the answer and, is yes. no. Your parents actually aren't like a totalitarian right. regime, even if they give you a curfew. They're still right. not like a totalitarian regime.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. But but at the same time, when you're looking at something like I don't know divergent or whatever. I, mean, I shouldn't say divergent cuz I haven't watched it. But but I don't want to just keep saying the Hunger Games over and over again. But it's is 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 Katniss really rebelling against, you know, uh the idea that she can't grow into the person that she wants to be or is she rebelling against this notion that, you know, her people are being oppressed by this quixotic and strange government? And one of the reasons why it's it's okay for these governments in these stories to be so quixotic and strange uh is that uh, well, I mean, real governments are sometimes quixotic and strange, but you know, maybe not quite this much. It, is that they're metaphors, right? So, but but in the Matrix, I feel like there's there's two things that are happening, right? These are the two things. The one is that it's about gender nonconformity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which becomes imma- very obvious once you know that's what it is, right? Because there's all sorts of little words. I think when they entered the construction, right? Uh, that was when I was like, "Yep, message," right? Uh, because we know, of course. That this movie is credited to the Wachowski brothers it still is on HBO Max, right? But they do not identify as such anymore, uh, and and that I've heard it tell many times, and I tend to take as. You know, as as true. I don't know. I don't know what's real. I don't know if this is real, but I tend to take it as true that the story of the Matrix is in part the story of liberating yourself from society and the direct. You know, the Wachowski story of personal liberation from the expectations uh, of society, creating this framework for who you think you are, but always feeling like something was wrong. Right. Uh, Because you were trans, right, or you were queer or uh, in some other sort of relationship with your gender that wasn't what uh, was conforming to what society was like really pressing you to be. So if that's the story, and I mean, how, why do we know this? Well, there's Neo and Trinity have like, look very similar, right? They're both a bit androgynous. They're a pair together, right? Well, everyone, Trinity, everyone's you know?
0: a bit androgynous. I mean, not, not only yeah. are Neo well, and, and the, Trinity kind of doubles, but like the whole aesthetic is,
1: is, oh yeah, you know. Well, the,
2: the one particular character in particular who is very androgynous, uh, his name pointedly Switch.
1: Yes, well, that. exactly, right? Yes, yes, exactly. The whole thing takes place inside a gay club, Right. Um, pretty much circa 1997. (laughs) Like, that's kind of like, and I'm not, I'm I'm only half joking. Like, like it's, it's very deliberately taking that aesthetic. That's not an insult. That's what they're going for. Right. Is it's this kind of edgy club scene vibe where a lot of people are, you know, in that space,
2: right. The clothes, the music,
1: etc. The haircuts. You know presenting versus identifying everybody has a name that means like change or confusion right uh cypher and morpheus and and trinity is of course not binary right because <laughs> she's three mm,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: so 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 once you know that right then the idea that okay they're gonna walk out into the public and and just shoot all the people that aren't that that are part of the system right you could think, well, they're not really murdering them. The guns are metaphors for them, like, forcing <laughs> their truths on others, right? Yeah. It's, they're basically just going on Twitter and yelling about it, right? Like, <laughs> and that doesn't really kill anybody, right? So it's sort of like – and there's a lot of movies, I think, where you – the violence is not really supposed to be about murdering people. It's communicating something else, and you kind of – should appreciate that it's a for sort of shock entertainment value. And also that it's kind of about some sort of other thing metaphorically. So you shouldn't always feel that every time somebody gets shot in a movie, it's is advocating for murder. Um, you know, like when, when they steal John wick's dog and John wick goes and kills all those people, you, you're not sitting there being like, Oh man, you know, they all had wives and families. <laughs> like, like, like there's a, a framework in the story that makes it okay. The problem that the matrix is tackling is that on one hand, it has a story like that, but well, I mean, when it came out, nobody knew that it was that's what it was about. But also, it has this other story, which has been which has played out in real life, both before, during, and after the Matrix, of this this cult mentality, right? Of uh, of, of really deconstructing society and social relationships with an objective towards setting up a kind of military uh, junta, right? Or like a dictatorship, right? Um, or convincing a bunch of random people to go kill a bunch of strangers right and it's something that or, or even just endeavor upon like larger and broader uh just just uns, unsympathizing and unsympathetic acts of cruelty and uh anti behavior right like the whole I mean, spectrum from al-qaeda to gamergate i mean the, the obvious one is the red pill right which is yeah, you know the yeah, name yeah, for exactly. the men's rights activist stuff right the the subreddit and all that stuff um and the idea that So the the whole idea of like if you look around, you can't trust anything you see because doesn't it kind of seem wrong, right? And it's like, okay, there's a certain credence to that. And we know there's credence to that because we talk about Baudrillard every fourth episode. right? So we understand that like the PT Cruiser is a simulacrum of a car that was never – that never really existed. (laughs) I'll do credit to to regular car reviews for first trotting that reference out. But yeah, like, you know – there's things that are made in imitation of other things to the point where you lose track of what real is. There's a lot in terms of how, you know, what we understand as our lives is kind of mapped onto the world. Uh, and, and we don't necessarily experience the world underneath the map as much as we maybe would have at some other point or as much as we think we do. Um, and, and it's, I think, well, I was, I was sorry, Pete, you're, you're, I I always, I I never think I, I always suspect that
0: the, the time that people are nostalgic for never happened, you know, that it's that, that it was, uh, as, as our friend, um, uh, as our friend Don Draper said, you know, it was invented by guys like me to sell nylons, right? Like that. And, and they're still selling the nylons, except the innovation is that they've, they've uh, learned how to make you sell the nylons to yourself. But I'm sorry, you were on a roll, Pete.
1: Well, yeah, but just the, the point being that it's a problem that leaves a blank space for a solution. Because it's the kind of because what it really is, is it's, it's like the camera parts. It's like when I think about the metaphor, I think about, which, of course, everybody should understand. So I should not have to explain it right No, I'll explain it is when you see UFO pictures that people have taken. Have you ever seen a UFO picture of like a strange hourglass shaped shining object in the sky with like radiating lines of black off of it? Kind of flying over a sunny day, and you ever see something like that?
2: Sure, seen seen a picture of it or seen it in real life? Um, yeah. Well,
1: yes. But no, no. what I what I mean is that one of the ways in which people would fake UFO pictures is they would use their camera in such a way that the light would reflect off the internals of the camera in a way that would create artifacts in the photograph, such as lens flares, right? Uh, and and different cameras could do would do this in different ways, and so there are certain kinds of UFO pictures that. Are, that use this method to fake it. And I feel that this is a useful metaphor because, you know, are you looking at something that's outside of yourself or are you looking at a piece of the camera? Is kind of like, is the, the idea here's the big problem with the matrix is the matrix exists outside of the person, right? Is that the person is inside the matrix and can be independent from the matrix. And philosophically, or at least cognitively, so much of what, at least in my opinion, constitutes systems and systemic thinking, is a product of you know availability bias, right? Like representativeness bias, right? The idea that what you are personally participating in and experiencing helps you formulate in your own mind a preponderance of a notion of what's going on, and people locate this action. I think. I think, and I, I don't I think this is. I don't think it's uncontroversial to say. I think people locate this action externally to themselves way too much. I think that people are saying, well, the media came up with it, right? Oh, the the academy came up with it. The bosses came up with it. The narrative has been forced on us. When a lot of the time, I think people unconsciously are formulating these things from themselves based on the preponderance of their own experiences and don't realize that they're the one that's doing it to themselves, right? Cup, um, you've, and, been
0: in, you've been in my Instagram feed. I don't know how you...
1: <laughs> and, and, but one of the products of this, right, is that if you're doing it to yourself and someone comes along and blames somebody else for it then it doesn't matter who they blame that much because you because they're all because the, the justification not that the justifications, is all equally valid but like there's not a right answer right um the, the be, reason being that like if the issue is with signification itself right if the issue is with you know how do we say things that are true then and and how and how can we how can we communicate in a way that corresponds to reality and that itself is like a very thorny problem then you can't get by it by like looking under the right cardboard box right and like finding the right cockroach right or like pointing in the right direction past this break through this wall and you'll see the truth right it's like it's part of thinking you know it's part of being who you are and so in the one of the ways that plays out in this movie is that you know cypher is kind of correct not in the sense of like, oh, you know, ignorance is bliss, but in the sense of you promise me freedom, but I end up basically an impressed military slave, right? Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I have no freedom. I have no autonomy. I have no personal space. I live on this ship. I take all of Morpheus's orders, right? How many times in the first act of this movie is it repeated to Neo that he just has to do what he's told, right? And by the heroes, not by the Matrix, right? By, by the rebels, sure. right? Follow orders, right? And and it's and it's like you've not in in Neo's movement from being in the Matrix to being with Morpheus, he hasn't actually really achieved any meaningful personal freedom, right? Because he's going from one situation where he's being sure. controlled to another situation where he's being controlled. The
0: cubicle right? across from you is empty. Go there
1: now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. And, and I think and I think part of and the problem there is I think that it's just very easy to 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 say okay so here here's here I'll, I'll make it real for you I'll, I'll make it real real um you know what really stuck out to me what on this is, watch what is real <laughs> one thing that really stuck out to me with this watch of the matrix is uh, the number of times which is at least two that people speak portentously about paying your taxes right
0: Right, um,
1: right, right like you pay your taxes I thought that was really interesting right yeah because let's let's like unpack that for a little bit right Um. Are you is it are you not supposed to pay your taxes, (laughs) right? Like, is that and by which I mean, is is the is the liberation that's being offered by the matrix, a liberation of a sort of anarcho capitalist sense in which, like, you have no financial obligation of any sort to anybody, right? Like, you get to keep all your own money, right? right? Like, you don't have to pay taxes to you don't have to pay anything into any sort of common good because there is no common good. Right. Common good doesn't exist. In fact, you should not even worry about the fact that nobody here has a bed. Right. Like it's better because it's true. Right. Um, But but more like, yeah, there's no common good. There's no shared effort. Right. Humanity in general doesn't cooperate on anything positive. uh, Right. The only people who do things that are positive are the people who take direct orders from me and I don't give them enough information to make their own decisions. Right. Um, But but the main thing is like, okay, so if this is a movie that's about this sort of combination of the government and capitalism to crush people's autonomy and spirits. Um, I don't think that not paying your taxes. Is not supportive of the problem. Right. Like, like these people would be fine if you didn't pay your taxes, right? They don't want to pay their taxes, right? Um th- that's that's sort of like they want you just to foot the bill for your own everything. They want you to, you know, go bankrupt from your own medical expenses, right? Sure. Like that th- like the there is there is a sense in which I think there's a personal frustration with paying taxes. And there's also this metaphorical thing having to do with the people being batteries which also doesn't make any sense, right? Like and I am getting too deep into the matrix guys, well, but I will sh- say that like yeah, you know, yeah, it's, the, let's the see how derive no benefit from it. But whatever, it doesn't let's matter. Let's see how
0: deep the 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 rabbit hole goes. But um so I Pete, I think that's that's an interesting, I mean, I think that's an interesting uh and you know, uh critically sensitive and well-argued point. Here's why you're wrong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sure. I'm not sure that you're wrong. One of the things that Stanley Fish said about people reading Paradise Lost and developing all these. Yes,
1: I was thinking this thing you were about to say (laughs) while I was watching the movie. Go ahead and say it. Um,
0: about uh, about Paradise Lost, while it, it, that uh, critics who are like, man, like I'm on the I'm on the side of the devil, like God seems like a real buzzkill, man. He tells you what to do and doesn't give you any justification. And Stanley Fish used to say, God is God. The thing that you have to understand when you read Paradise Lost is that God is God, and it doesn't operate. Under the, it doesn't operate. It operates under a. God operates under a pre enlightenment framework. You know, <laughs> operates under a pre consent of the governed framework. God doesn't derive authority from the consent of the the governed. God derives authority from being God. You know, and that I I, uh, and look like I I think that in. In super in uh subsequent films, uh they try badly to address some of the things uh that you're saying. Like there's an awesome rave with Cornell West in I think the second <laughs> <Yes>. movie. <laughs> but
1: like uh probably you know. paid for by taxes, I think. <laughs> Is, yeah no
2: like there there is this whole society right in yes. zion in second yes. and third movies that are so forgettable that we're barely this is probably the largest <laughs> i described it to,
1: i was remembering this thing and i was like yeah because they live on the set of hook but underground right <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like the human city is this good place it's <laughs> we we want to be like peter pan
0: we don't want so, so, to grow up to that point, like the 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 I think
2: what you're getting at Matt here is like, you know, the the, the, the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar and, and the, the, the the that that those people that we, the characters that we follow that are under Morpheus's um uh, 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 a command, they're not a society. Are they? Well, that, something I mean, else. what 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 is dynamic going on here yeah there's, i think
0: that the think I, the this. the kind of discourse right like the style of discourse that the movie wants to traffic in is a discourse that is you know uh that's kind of religious right that has historically oh, yeah, been definitely. been del- dealt with in in religions and y- y- you you know, I, I, it, it's like totally okay to say that religions are bad. And I understand Pete, that, that you think all religions are bad. And, uh, I, I hear you <laughs> saying lo- loud and clear, I hear you saying Pete, loud and clear that I No, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trolling you, but the, uh, you know, it, you, you can sort of say that like, okay, that's, that's not a style of discourse that, that we should engage in because it, you know, it tends to, to cost us more than it, than it benefits us, um, in human terms. But, but like that's, that's where they're playing. That's the sandbox that they're, that they're trying to play in. And so, like, I get, uh, I, I get that, like, yes, life outside the, like, life outside the matrix is kind of dour and joyless. And like, I totally get where Cypher is coming from. That steak looks, looks delicious. You know, when you, t- when you talked about the steaks of the movie, my mouth started to water because there is actually a delicious steak. Um, eaten on camera, uh, eaten on camera in this film. And, and yeah, like the, the kind of the red pill, pill, blue pill thing is, you know, I don't know, it's enough of like a travesty of, of consent or a travesty of a choice. Like they, they talk about how you can't know what it is, you know, you can't know what the matrix is. So like the idea of informed consent, taking the red or blue pill is, um, you know uh is kind of a joke and and yet God like is de- I
2: agree on a, 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 a
0: Yeah, ULA yeah on a, exactly a a right like he's got yeah he's got the cookie banner right like look the laws of the state of California require me to tell you that we are going to take you to a dystopic hellscape um and, you know but uh you know click OK to proceed <laughs> wait I can't X out of this window I can't X out yeah you you just gotta click ok that's the only way. Way to, to proceed, and yet, and yet, and it, it it tickles me to no end, Pete, that you that you imagined that I would be saying this phrase to you when we uh, uh, when we were um, uh, when you were watching the film, and yet, God is God.
1: Right. Well, in this case, it's Morpheus's god sure. right? or Zion. Which yeah, is funny or, the, they, or there's
0: an oracle or something like yeah. that, right? Like, and they, they try very badly to fill in a lot of the cosmology around this in, in, in subsequent, in subsequent movies. Yeah. But yeah, it, no, it, it does, but you know, I'm with you in that, like, as the kids say, it hits different, you know, um, mm-hmm. in, in these, uh in in these times you know the the just the i don't know the like the kind of the uh, oh I, this i mean this was a time when when the culture was sort of reckon, reckoning at least in my, in, in my lifetime, it was the first like major reckoning with like gun violence that I remember. Um, I think the kind of the aestheticization and, and, and in a way, fetish, fetishization, uh, of that stuff is, is a little uncomfortable. I think that like, you know, you can, you can mow everyone down because they're not even real anyway. It, you know, bears maybe a little pausing and, and, um, and thinking but you're saying something even more basic than that i think which is that like just embedded in the dynamic embedded in the dynamic itself is this kind of messed up it, it, you know it's like it's like if you actually if all all the gifted kids who actually dreamed of becoming emancipated minors when they were 15 years old actually did you know, and, and they ended up crashing on somebody's, crashing on, you know, somebody's closet floor or something like that. Except there were like three other emancipated miners crashing on the same, uh, on the same, uh, closet floor. And actually the apartment uh, belongs to a guy who made you go out and do heists. During the day and like beat up other gangs or something, something like that. Uh, it, that, that's the, that's, that's where the, the, you know, metaphor about, about your parents actually, that's probably the appropriate, like, um, a tenor or vehicle vehicle or uh tenor of the tenor of the metaphor for like, yeah, the matrix, it's like your parents, man, they're, they're the matrix. Um, anyway, I've, I've derailed us long enough.
1: No, no. So, okay. So to say another one, other thing, or one other way to frame, I think part of the issue in terms of what is, I, I thought about Fight Club a lot while I was watching this movie because Fight Club's movie I, I've liked a lot when I've seen it in the past more than The Matrix. And uh, and it's a movie that takes a lot of heat, justifiably, because it advances a lot of propositions that paint a very dark picture of how people work and uh, and how society in general, you know, to the extent that it is a thing that exists, uh, functions. Um, And uh, and I don't think and it's definitely one of those movies that poses more questions without providing answers uh, and indulges in a lot of the things that it is attempting to undermine. Right. Um, And 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 similar to this movie. Uh, one thing that I would suggest that they are both doing is that they're looking at a situation that has good things and bad things, right? And this situation is, can, can everyone remember, of course, the line from Fight Club where it's like, oh, our generation had no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. Uh, and of course, Fight Club was less than, you know, maybe about 10 years away from the Great Recession. So, you know, don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Uh, but, but the point being that, they're looking at a situation where things are good, but things are also bad, right? So, like, you know, as 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 they, Mark, I think you had mentioned in the in the chat back, you know, is 1999 really the pinnacle of for humanity? Not if you live in Vietnam, it isn't. Not if you're more than half the world whose living condition has drastically increased in the past 20 years, right? Like, uh, it, it's it's there's been a lot of things that have gotten a lot better for a lot of people, just not. Not you know, the American middle class, right? Right, especially not angry white American dudes. Although Keanu mm-hmm. Reeves isn't strictly—I wouldn't hesitate to call him strictly white. Uh, he certainly is has a complicated ethnic backstory and whatnot. But um, it's
0: not—it's not engaged in an equal way by every film that he does.
1: And just putting
0: Keanu Reeves in it does not necessarily, no, yeah, yeah. you know.
1: what I mean, you but putting Will to, Smith in it would make it very different, right? right. It would be yeah, very yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Smith. But the point being, that like, this is the pinnacle. Um like he's not starving right and again yeah he has this movie kind of trivializes material comforts while at the same time advancing a sort of material dialectic which is not coherent right it's like you know if you really do think that all this is false consciousness then whether you eat steak or not should matter because it's because it's real right although in this case the steak is fake but that you know that is uh that's an interesting point of art um the fact that they have to eat the the, the protein is uh, is not a great situation. Uh, they should take Cornell West's lunch and distribute it among everybody else. Uh, but but the point being that like you're looking at a situation where certain things are good and certain things are bad. In this case, what's bad? Well, Keanu Reeves, you have no family or friends, right? You feel alienated from your life. You hate your job, right? Um, you, you also, you might be wrestling with some pretty serious gender identification issues, right? Or, or even all sorts of representational issues. Who are you? You're having a crisis of your identity and, you've sensed, and personality. You've sensed,
0: you've sensed something is wrong. You know that something is wrong. You know, you don't fit into the box
1: that they, that they've yes. put you in. Right. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I got one word for you. Crystals. It thinks <laughs> everything. It's called Amway. Get into it. But no, the point being that like, not everything about Keanu Reeves' life is terrible. Like, right. And also... If there were no Matrix and it was just Thomas Anderson, right? Like, let's say this movie is just he's Thomas Anderson and he's Neo. Neo is the hacker guy and Thomas Anderson is the software guy. And he's suffering from depression, probably because he's not living the life that he wants to lead, as well as whatever sort of biochemical thing is going on. Um, What would he do in his life to, like, make things better for himself? Right. Um, The one thing that he probably shouldn't do is obsess Over the things that are wrong all the time. Right. So, so like if you were to give a guy like Thomas Anderson like practical advice, you might say, volunteer, try to do some charity work, see if there's somebody out there that you can do something for that will make you feel connected to the world. Right. Or like go find a community to be part of. If you don't feel like you're being honest about who you are, find a safe space where you can do that. There are places like that that you can go to. Right. Like yeah, nineteen ninety nine.
0: You know, Usenet was was still in full <laughs> in full flower. You know, you could find some like you know alt dot cyberpunk something to go. Yeah. You know, and
1: maybe you could even say as far as like quit your job and and join a political group that opposes the company that you used to work for. Sure, like right? this.
0: But but yeah, get your groove back essentially.
1: Yeah, but but the point of it is, I think that even in the situation where you're being an advocate if you're being an advocate in a sustainable way that's going to actually work for you over the long haul i don't think that you can really afford to be constantly obsessed with the things that are upsetting you and i think that that happens in the matrix and that happens in fight club in the world building right like the world is constructed around this obsession with the things that are bad And, and with like think about it this way like what is the difference between the world of the matrix and the real world all the good things are gone it's exactly the same right except that like well it's not the same but it's like all the good things are gone so you're still you still you know being exploited right you still exist only as a means for others right you're still being controlled by a system that's too large and complex for you to understand right um like that's how everybody lives so like it is suspicious that the material conditions of the world outside the matrix so closely resemble the negative dimensions of Thomas Anderson's life as if the rest of his life didn't exist. And I mean, even if you think about guys like Gandhi, where it's like fighting a really hard battle over a long period of time, there is a recognition there of a strength that you do have. Right. And, and like neighbors and friends and people that you associate with. Right. Like like, I think that it is an unhealthy thing to constantly obsess over the thing that upsets you the most in your life. And I think that it is a tool that people use to manipulate people and organize them and radicalize them in ways that are not to be trusted. Um, that's my gut reaction. When you think about why is Fight Club like fascistic, right? And why, why, where is the boundary and the matrix between, you know, Cornell West and Morpheus, right, in terms of how you behave with people? What is the proper praxis, right, if you would want to stay in the situation? I mean, I would suggest that there should should be, for someone's health and well-being, more of a focus on the positive in some way. You have to recuperate. You have to stay balanced in some manner. There was this fiction back then, the whole wake-up sheeple thing, the idea that people were apathetic. I don't think people were ever apathetic. I think people just cared about what they cared about, and if it wasn't what you cared about, then you thought that they didn't care about anything. Right. um, I think that a lot of the time people didn't talk about what what, the, what they were thinking about and you didn't listen to them because you didn't have to. Right. If someone started mouthing off, you could just leave. You didn't have to deal with them, you know, pushing the, through the algorithm to everything that you see wherever you carry your phone around. Right. So like whatever. um, But the idea that like everyone needs to get really, really angry and then things will get better. I just find that to be just not doesn't ring true to me anymore well, e- even if it ever really did
0: i mean at least um, fi- at, at least fight club actually has kind of a praxis it's you know punching each other in the face so you can like <laughs> we can arg- we can argue about how whether it's maladaptive or not but like i mean you know they 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 basically start a bunch of mma gyms is- are, you, are you
1: saying <laughs> that beating up jared leto is a victimless crime <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to
0: destroy something beautiful
1: (laughs) but i can't you guys pick it up i mean when i think about the rhetoric of the matrix that's what i associate it with when i think about the red pill stuff where it's like i'm going to tell you all the things that you're scared of or sad about with regards to your relationship with women and i want that to be your the entire foundation of your social life and everything you think about every day sure so, and like, which it's, actually it, is very, it's very yeah. teenage
0: uh, again, yeah. right? Like, cause like teenage, teenage years are the years in which you are defined more by, more by the things you don't like than by the things you like or believe. You know, the, the, yeah. it's like, Hey, we're not like, we're not like that group. Like they're, you know, they're all the socias are, are BS. All the, the jocks are BS or what, you know, whatever it is yeah. for you, right? Like all the nerds are, are BS. Shut your, sh- shut your mouth. But the, yeah. uh, that's, that's the style, right? Like, that's the kind of the, like, so style of social identification associated with that, you know, with that time of life and in a sort of healthy, um, developmental process, you, you grow out of it. And, uh, it, like the the technology and media landscape had not quite advanced uh, to the point at the time of the matrix where it could where you know that sort of that kind of teenage you know uh disidentification with with everything all of the time could could become like an existential position but i i guess uh you know i see what you're saying that that the film certainly didn't seem to help
1: <laughs> so well, I would I would also contrast two Lawrence Fishburne performances, and then I'll get off my soapbox and let everybody else talk. I am sorry, um, but to contrast uh, "Boys in the Hood" versus "The Matrix," right? Like the the both characters that Lawrence Fishburne plays in both of these movies is responsible for introducing a young man into a world where which is hostile to him and dangerous, right, and unfair fundamentally unfair like phenomenally fundamentally unfair uh in ways that are going to make him angry and are going to make him want to like lash out and do terrible things right once he finds out the truth of the situation and the famous scene where lawrence fishberg is mentoring cuba Jr. in boys in the hood he's like listening to the five stair steps right he's the ooh child things are gonna get easier and he's not being pollyannish Part of it is that he doesn't need to be told that things are bad. He Mm. knows that things are bad. He doesn't have to repeat it all the time because all you have to do is look around and you figure it out. If someone has to repeat all the time that things are bad, maybe they're the ones that are making it bad. Mm. Like at least do a double check, right? Um, If someone is always telling you that things are terrible and they're your only source of information about things always being terrible, then like maybe maybe they're the problem, right? Whereas in this situation, in Boys in the Hood, like – you know trey comes across all sorts of terrible things that happen you know real world terrible things friend dies in front of him right terrible uh he doesn't need to be convinced that this is bad but he needs some sort of basis of strength and coping and skill to get through it and i wouldn't necessarily say that the lesson of that story is to lay down and not do anything right not to advocate not to fight for the right thing to do in those sorts of situations um but just that like there's something about the way the rhetoric of the way that the Matrix kind of it just felt contagious. It feels like it's something I've heard so many times. And and Fight Club did it, too. Right. Which is just this idea that, like, you know, you, you sometimes think something might be wrong. No, something is wrong all the time. And I'm not going to provide you with comfort. Right. I'm going to I'm going to provide you with with gasoline. Right. To pour on the fire that that is that sort of dis, discontent in your life. Um, Sorry, I'm done. I'll step back. I, um, I had
0: the, the kind of the interesting experience of watching this film with, with Christina, who had not seen it before. And, uh, I, so like tra- tracking her reaction over the course of the thing. And I, uh, the, you know, listeners won't know this, but I sort of posted her reactions in our, our Slack back channel as, um, as we were watching it. And, you know, she had some, some just killer observations. Uh, one was when the, <laughs> When he gets fished out of the soup at the bottom of the sewer after he's been ejected from his pod, it's like, Oh, this is like the claw in Toy Story. This is the, you know, this, yes, this is exactly like the claw in, in Toy Story. And like, even to the point where we're all like, Oh, the claw, the claw, the coming of the claw. Um, that, that's like, uh, you know, uh, funny, but like the, the, um, kind of the, 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 the process of watching it was, was interesting to see for a first timer going from like not really being a little standoffish with the movie, like not really identifying with anyone, not really like, quite grokking what was what was going on and then sort of figuring it out and then starting to care about the characters and then like being invested in it to the point where like at that last really great action scene with the uh, you know Trinity jumping out out of the helicopter and kind of Indiana Jones swinging on a vine uh, up to where Keanu Reeves is standing and and like feeling like oh that was awesome right and and to a certain extent like I, that's the process of every movie like you start not knowing or not caring and then hopefully by By the end, you know, and you care. Uh, But the the I I wonder if there was something else, you know, going on, because she's not a huge like action sci fi viewer. Um, And I wonder to a certain extent, like how much. Being into this movie at the time depended on kind of having a certain context, right? Like whether it, it relies on, relies on your familiarity with, with the cer- certain tropes of like, you know, dystopian future world sci-fi. Um, and like whether that was a, you know, that sort of eased, uh, eased your passage into it if that's the kind of stuff that, that you for, were familiar with. Undoubtedly, right? Undoubtedly it did. Uh, but it's a strength of the movie that even say, you know, even people, viewers who are not, um, particularly into all of that stuff, uh, can get something, you know, worthwhile out of it, uh, by the end too. The, the other, the second reaction was that, like, the first half of the movie is really gross. Like, there's a lot of, you know, the, the, uh, ten years after this movie came out, I had a legit nightmare about um it, about a situation where I felt powerless or where where I felt like I think it was a professional situation where I felt like my boss was going to shut me down or like not let me speak or something. And the way it came out in my in my nightmare about it was that like my mouth like you know g- closed up the way it d- it did in the Matrix like, and I knew exactly what where it was from. Like I woke up and it was like, oh god, I I just got Matrix in my uh in my sleep, and then like. Like it's it's scary and it's scary and kind of gross. The the like the little machine bug um, tadpole guy, uh, the tadpole of death that uh, crawls around in his abdomen. Also uh, super gross. The um, the uh, d- jack in your head and like how long the spike is <laughs> goes <laughs> into your goes into your brain. Uh, likewise, a little bit like mm, queasy uh, queasy watching watching it. And I think like in context i well i i didn't have the context at, at the time but understanding that there is a kind of like there there is a kind of revulsion at one's actual biological body right is is probably not unrelated to the theme of gender dysphoria that we were uh you know that that has sort of come to light in in our understanding and in the culture, you know, in the, the, the 20 years since the film, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of it that, that, that is pretty, um, Right. For, for a movie that tracks, that traffics in the, in the balletic and in the sort of weightless and the effortless seeming the like, the, uh, incredible fight choreography and some of the, you know, the bullet time stuff and, and the, the beautiful aspects of it. There's, there's plenty of it that's, that's a little Sam Raimi-esque, you know, to, to, uh, um, to to supplement that, um, you know, the, I don't know that that yeah. high gloss,
2: yeah, and, and it's notable that um, all that body horror stuff is in the first half of the movie, right? Um, and you know, it's it's also the stuff that hasn't stuck in the popular imagination, um,
0: right? Yeah, right? there are no there we, are no memes are, about that. Yeah, there are no yeah, memes what, what about. What remember,
2: yeah. what we remember, are the sunglasses, the highly reflective sunglasses, the aforementioned gunplay. Really, like I, I step back and think about it, it's like. All the self-actualization, the cool, people being cool and at their at their greatest, actually exercising their potential, is when they're jacked into the Matrix um, and are, you know, uh, kitted out with this fake stuff, right? So there's this fundamental contradiction in the movie, which is that the Matrix is bad. The Matrix is fake. You got to get people out of the Matrix. But also, Keanu Reeves gets a fly at the end in the Matrix,
1: <laughs> and look how right.
2: awesome that is. Yeah. I mean that I'm, is not that is not uncommon in big blockbuster movies, right? They kind of have their cake and eat it too, right? You know Terminator 2, the much beloved Terminator 2 is like, you know, ooh, technology is bad, these robots are bad, Cyber, Cyberdyne is going to enslave humanity to that and the other but also the T1000, oh, sorry, the T all the terminators are freaking awesome. And also John Connor uses a cool little computer to hack an ATM and that's cool too. <laughs> oh
1: man.
0: I still have Vista baby. Be, yeah.
1: I think it was uh, what what, I was saying, and, uh, what we're saying is
2: that twenty years later, we're realizing that the Matrix is not <laughs> philosophically consistent and coherent. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Yeah, that's
1: that's fair. That's fair. I think we realize. I think we, realized,
2: the, I think I just, we I know, realize that it's, it's, in it's coherent enough. it Like I know that we we spent a lot of time kind of criticizing this movie, but I, I still do enjoy it. It works enough, and all of the action sequences that we described before are so pure and like uh, not pure is not the right word. Um, expertly, exquisitely done. Yeah elegant um, yeah, yeah elegant um that the, the the total package still does absolutely hold up and like you know all the world building and the cosmology and then you know the mechanics of the phone stuff and things like that you know sure not the, the tightest parts in the movie but um again like in, in service of a total package of this character who is just plucked out of regular life and um indoctrinated into this crazy world and gets to self-actualize and uh you know do a lot of violence along the journey. Sure, yeah.
0: He's the, he's Great. the chosen one. He's, on not, he's part, not, he's yeah. not just, he's not just plucked, plucked out. Like, I, I, I think Pete, like, you know, they, they do make a little bit about, they make a little bit of a big deal about how they're like violating all of their protocols. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Like we don't yeah. we don't liberate minds who are who are this old. Like we we'll, we actually only invite teenagers into our cult because we find that they're huh. impressionable. <laughs> you know, yes. no, but like we we so they're, uh, they're, you know, their brain but, hasn't
2: fully developed. But yeah, like, exactly. look, we
0: had to do it because you're Jesus. You know, like there's no like the option was to not have Jesus, and that would be you know that's not uh that's not cool. So uh, too the,
1: old he is to begin the training. <laughs> <laughs> stick not this, groomed He is (laughs) too, too bald, bald,
0: bald, bald. He needs to grow his hair. He needs to do.
1: (laughs) Look, look more like Trinity. No Kung Fu. Does he not? I did. I did like, I did pick up in the first act. One of the things I liked and had noticed before was how often Neo just nopes out of situations where people are telling him what to do. And I thought that was really good character development because it shows that he has this inherent rebellious spirit that uh, I think – I think if you think of the movie as a personal rebellion movie, it resonates more. Uh, It's just the other stuff, the sort of uh, social political rhetoric has been so misused in the subsequent years that it always leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But. But but when, but you when think he's about standing it, like... on the
0: ledge, when he's standing on the ledge, and he's like, "Nah, not gonna, not gonna jump over the scaffolding." Yeah, you almost couldn't imagine that in in a movie today, because it would be all like, "Okay, grit your teeth, overcome your fears, jumping on the scaffolding, and then like it works." You know, it's, it all it all works out somehow, and and the fact that he's just nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> and when he's like yeah i'm gonna get out of the car i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave <laughs> right like uh um it's uh i i respected that about him yeah um and it would be interesting to see uh more of that kind of character which i don't think really shows up for much of the rest of the matrix because as you mentioned once he becomes the one then he's a christ figure and he's sort of self-possessed of his great dignity and doesn't really have those kinds of uh you know, flippant emotional reactions. He yeah, doesn't he's flip st- off and ask for his phone call once he's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he's,
0: he's, um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, he's, I, I think there's even like a derisive, uh, someone in the movie is like, yeah he's doing a superman thing again in one of the sequels they're like yeah where where's neo Nah, he's flying around the the matrix again he's doing a superman thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know um yeah man we didn't uh, it's a good thing we didn't do uh number 2 because that's the one where where uh, colonel colonel sanders uh gives a like uh, a <laughs> you know <laughs> a class in mathematical logic or something like that I feel it reveals the seven
2: herbs and spices at the end was,
0: yeah. <laughs> seven herbs and spices in your in your uh you know vegetable animal bay or like a single celled organism based protein slurry that you have to 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 gulp down um all right i think we should i think we should leave it there um the uh <laughs> It was, it was interesting to watch, you know, it was, it, it was definitely, it's definitely good to, good to revisit these things. Like I've, I have found this exercise that we do from time to time, um, when we don't have anything else that that we're excited about always always pays dividends uh in terms of deepening you know deepening my understanding or of something or complicating my you know my relationship with a film or like kind of uh, uh, de- de- like complicating my understanding of the the time that the uh that the film got into which you know at at the time recall it was the uh it was the um the end of history i mean our our friend professor fukuyama told us that you know <laughs> that uh you know western style enlightenment liberal democracies were really the the final form like you know governments had found their final form their power everyone's power level was over 9000 and uh you know everything was going to continue the same uh, forever, forever and ever. And I, I, I think that, I don't know. I think that that probably accounts for some of the irresponsibility, Pete, that, that you're identifying that in retrospect, it's mm. easy to identify because we all, uh, we all knew, uh, we all know what happened. All right. Let's leave it there. Thanks very much for listening, Pete and Mark. Thanks for, uh, podcasting with me and, uh, entering the matrix one more time. I, I, I don't know if we'll do the uh, the, fourth or fifth fourth matrix movie fifth indiana jones movie fourth matrix movie coming out soon um i don't know if we'll do it but uh, if we do it'll be here on the overthinking it podcast where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it's it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve.
2: deserve i know discourse